finish up our sermon series, Brand New. And if you're just joining us this morning, Brand New has been a sermon series in which we've talked about foundational principles of the church that existed from when the church began in Jesus' time and may have somehow been lost or maybe not as cultivated as some of the other aspects of the church. We've talked about love and freedom. We talked about community last week. And today I want us to talk about uh, love in a different way and with a different perspective. So I want you, if you have your Bibles or if you want to open up your Bible apps or whatever, to open up to Luke chapter 15. And this is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because it is one that reminds me of an area of my life and of the church that often can be overlooked. Now, chapter 15 in the book of Luke is a chapter of celebrations. And just in case, if if you don't know, the Bible as we have it today is not how it existed in its original text. So in the original text from the letter that that is Luke's gospel, there were no chapter numbers, no verse numbers. There's a subject heading at the top of that chapter. Those were written in and filled in as the Bible was translated and is presented to us. So they exist for our benefit. But people in Jesus' time who would have heard this as an oral tradition, um, not written down at first, would not have had this. And then when it was finally recorded, Later on, in the monks and the, and the, and the people in the monasteries over, throughout the Middle Ages who, who, predented, who um, printed and produced and replicated the Bible um, would add these in later. So over top, the heading for mine is Occasions for Celebration. And there's one about tax collectors and sinners. This one about the woman and the ten silver coins. And then the next part of that story is about the prodigal son who returns to the father after leaving him. But these are all stories of those who were lost and now found. So let's begin. Verse 8. Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. Let us pray. God, as we come to worship this morning, God, we celebrate and we lift our voices. As we read this scripture, God, we hear of the celebration of those who come to a faith and a relationship with you who wake up to the life that they can live in your love and your grace and the celebration that ensues in heaven because of it. God, may our hearts be as open and as aware and as available to celebrate the wonderful moments that we cherish when we see people around us wake up to your love and your grace, to know that they are loved, to live in that love and to see their lives change from the inside out. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage uh, is in some ways a very fundamental and basic passage. I'm not going to tell you anything this morning that you don't already know. I really want this to be a reminder of what is core to who we are called to be as Christians and who God is. Because at the end of the day, this story is really about who God is. Now, it starts off 
in verse 8, Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? What is implicit in this scripture is that the coins have value. Ten silver coins in Jesus' time are very valuable. And because even one of those coins is valuable to this woman, she begins to look for it. Now, what I, why I want to bring that up to you is that the majority of the world in which we live does not seek to remind us how valuable we are. In fact, I would argue with you this morning, the majority of our culture and our society seeks to manipulate our insecurities and lack of self-worth so that we can consume the things that we do not need, that we can have more of what, not, what is not going to give us what we need, and that we're going to continue to live a life of comparison instead of a life of compassion. So what I want to tell you is that you're valuable in ways that that you probably are not even able to imagine right now, but that you are worthy of God's love. And that every day that you open your eyes, God is seeking you. God wants you to know that you're loved. God wants you to know that you're valuable, that you are worthy, and that there is nothing that will stand in the way of God seeking you out every day of your life so that you can know that love. I think we live a life that is busy and hurried and frantic. And sometimes I think we like that because it keeps us from having to deal with the truth that sometimes we don't feel as worthy or as lovable or as, as honored as God truly believes in us. God every day wants you to know his love, wants you to know how much you're loved and that there is nothing you can do to make him love you any more and that he refuses to love you any less. I could send you out today with just that. And if you worked on that for the rest of your life, that would be huge spiritual work. So the woman seeks the coin. She gets up at night, she takes the lamp, and she sweeps the floor. Now, there are all different types of floors that existed in the homes in the, in the first century in which Jesus lived. Some of those, for those that lived in poverty, were really just dirt floors that had been pounded and pressed until the dirt was hard. And so she would have had to have swept the floor and to be able to move the coin to a place where she could have cornered it and seen it with the light and to be able to pick it up and find it. If she had more means, then she would have had probably kind of like a cobblestone floor, an uneven floor with different stones that were packed together. And so to be able to bring the lamp to the floor, because of the shadows that would have been created across the stones, she may not have been able to see the coin readily. So for her to sweep the coin meant that she would be able to hear the coin move across the stones and then be able to look down and to pick it up. And what I want you to get a sense of in that moment is not only that God values you, but that God seeks you. In, in United Methodist Church, we have um, this huge sense of God's grace. In fact, uh, I teach, I'm going to be teaching a connections class today for those that want to become more connected to the church and those who are in membership and want to explore membership in the church. And every time I get into a class, I tell the stories of people who would come and visit United Methodist churches, and they would come to me and they'd go, Pastor, there's just something different about the United Methodist Church. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's the songs that you sing. It's the way that you preach. It's, it's vacation Bible 
Bible school. It's the Sunday school curriculum. There's just something different about how the, the texture of how this church feels and does what it does that feels different from many of the other churches that we visited. And most of the time, I, and I think this is true, and if it's not, I'm sure you'll tell me at some point, in many of the churches that we experience, the greatest force and the greatest emphasis is sin. That the sin is the most powerful thing, and that we live in response to sin, and God lives in response to sin, and that sin is a part of all the conversations that we do. And the difference is, sin is important, and it is a reality that we talk about and deal with in the United Methodist Church, but sin is not the most powerful thing, and it's not the most important thing grace is. Because before there was sin, before there was human choice and free will that brought sin into the world, there was grace. Because God loved us and created the world and all that we have. And out of God's creative grace, all that we have came into being. And in fact, it says in Scripture in John that before the world even existed, Jesus was present. Grace existed. So we don't live primarily in response to sin as, as people of faith. We live in response to God's grace. And so every day that grace is what we struggle with and, 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 and work with and sometimes we're in conflict with because that unconditional grace that loves us, that seeks us, and that embraces us is probably one of the scariest things. Someone once said, I, the, the scariest thing in the world isn't a God who is a judge. It is a God who is unconditionally graceful. That is the most scary thing that many of us would ever comprehend. So this woman looks, said, when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me because I found my lost coin. You know, lost, being lost. You know, often in the midst, whenever I used to grow up reading passages like this, the people that I would think of were lost were the people who had never been to church. They were people who had never accepted Jesus. They were people who were lost and, and disconnected from the relationship with God. And I thought that once you had a relationship with God, everything was okay then, that you were good. You had punched your heavenly bus ticket, and you could just live out your life in eternal bliss, waiting for your time to wake up in Jesus' hands. And then I got older learn some things. And what I realized is, is that you can grow up in the church, that you can even have a relationship with God and still at times be lost. And maybe sometimes the most dangerous and tempting place to be is to be in the church and to still find yourself feeling lost. Because in our own judging minds, we shouldn't be lost. We shouldn't be struggling. We shouldn't be going through what we're going through. We're, we're good people. We love God. God loves us. We've grown up in the church. We've accepted Jesus. We've done all the right things, yet somehow we still feel lost, and we shouldn't feel that way. But the truth is, no matter how much God loves us, no matter how much we love God, there are going to be times in our lives where even as people who go to church, even as people who profess faith in Jesus, find ourselves feeling and being lost. And what I want to let you know is that God still seeks you out. That pursuing love of God doesn't stop once you accept Jesus or once you become a member or once you step in or once you're baptized. God is always pursuing you because God always knows that there is an opportunity for us to step off the path. 
over and over again, I sit with people across coffee tables and, and, and lunch tables and, and, and breakfast tables who feel lost and they don't know if they're, they're still worthy of God's love. They don't know if, if, it's, if, if they can make it to this next place because this isn't where they should be or could be or ought to be. But what I want to let you know is the same love that seeks you out and sought you from the day that you were born seeks you now and wants to always draw you back. God never gives, God never runs out of love. God never runs out of the energy and the desire to continue to bring you back. You step off the path, God's ready to bring you back. You, you walk over here and, and you make a decision that leads you down the wrong path, God's grace is right there to bring you back. God is always walking alongside us, kind of navigating us and calling us back and whispering our name and bringing us back in the fold when we disconnect and all those types of things. And the good news is, even though we may be ready to give up on ourselves and even though we may be ready to give up on other people, God never gives up on us. God never runs out of grace. God never runs out of forgiveness. God never runs out of love. God never tires of bringing his people back onto the path. No matter how lost we may feel or no matter how long we feel like we've been gone, God is ready to call us back. This idea of waking up because I grew up in a time when salvation was the answer to everything, it distorted my understanding of my relationship with God. I believed that once you were saved, everything was supposed to be okay from then on. But as I've explored this idea of waking up, maybe the closest comparison that I have to it spiritually for me, and this may not work, and if this doesn't work, just forgive me. I'll do something better next week, I promise. You know, whenever you have surgery or you have a procedure, they put your body to sleep. And in order to put your body to sleep, it shuts down the systems of your body for a period of time so that they can do the procedure that needs to be done. And then whenever you, are, whenever you wake up after the procedure, you just don't wake up and your body automatically functions like it used to. The systems of your body have to wake up and begin to function again so that you can be a fully functioning person. Doctors, am I right? Medical people, is this kind of right? Please, you know, I, I try to read this stuff on the internet, but you just don't know. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the comparison that I make sometimes about our spiritual life. When we wake up to God's grace, when we wake up into that relationship with God, it's not like all of a sudden every part of our life is functioning perfectly. It's not like every part of our old pattern behavior all of a sudden gets reconstituted and we begin to live a life that we've never known before. What begins to happen is that God begins to wake all of our life up to the reality of living in a relationship with God. And so there may be areas in our relationships that even though we've accepted Jesus, even though we come to church and we've started this spiritual journey, God is still waking that part of our life up to grace. That there may be ways that we feel about ourselves and that we struggle with our self-image and self-esteem. And God's still waking that part of us up to ourselves to see what that is. That it's not something that happens all at once, but that it is a journey of our lifetime. And sometimes probably the greatest enemy to our own spiritual growth is the sense of spiritual expectation that we have, that we should be perfect all at once. One of the reasons that community is so important is that whenever we live in community, we get to love and walk alongside one another as those areas of our life wake up. 
And because we can be non-judgmental and accepting and love unconditionally, there is space for belonging that allows the, the space for that type of honesty and freedom to grow. And that's what God celebrates. That's what we celebrate. You know, I, I, I believe that one of the greatest tragedies in the church is that over the last 2,000 years, we've lost the truth of celebrating when people wake up to God's love. We've lost the joy of being called together every week to be able to sing and to worship God, to see and to know that new life is coming to the lives of the people that are within this community of faith and to people that are being invited to know that. Unfortunately, I really and truly believe that over the last 2,000 years, what, what worship could be and what God calls us to do in worship here has been lost. And many of us come to worship on a Sunday morning asking the question, what is in it for me? What is today going to do for me? What am I going to get from today? What am I going to get from the sermon? What am I going to get from the music? What am I going to get from the children's and youth ministries? What am I going to get from my life group? And I challenge that a little bit because I think if all we do is come to the church thinking about what it's going to do for me and mine, then we lose the balance of knowing that we come together in a church and to realize that on that Sunday, the music may not be for us. There may be somebody else that needed to hear a song that we didn't know. And that song is a part of God waking them up. Maybe the sermon that Sunday didn't truly speak to something in your life. I know, take a deep breath. Maybe somebody needed to hear those words today and you needed to be present so that they knew that somebody loved them while they heard them. Maybe the topic in your life group was not the most relevant to your moment in your life. Okay. Maybe there was somebody in that life group who's struggling in that area and they needed to be in a community of people who could listen to that moment and be there. You see, whenever we come every day and we gauge whether we, are, we, we should be somewhere or should be doing something by how it primarily impacts us, then we can lose balance and focus. So I want to encourage you you know, in your life and in your spiritual life to understand that, that God loves you, to understand that you have value, to understand that God wants to wake you up to what life can be like in his grace. And it's not always going to happen overnight. And it's going to take patience and persistence and grace. I want to challenge us as a church, not just to always think in, in terms of self-referencing our experience. How does this have to do with me? But to think and hold intention that what God may need to do in the moment may need to be for somebody else. And to be able to love and to be present as God does that work. And that whenever we are able to gather and to celebrate not only what God can do for us, but what God is doing in the lives of other people, then we can come and celebrate other people. That we could come and be present for other people. That we could come and shine light into the lives of other people. And to realize that that's what God calls us to do. Today, in the world in which we live, I feel like we get manipulated every day by our insecurities. We get manipulated every day by our anger. We get manipulated every day by our anxiety and our fear. And it's only being able to live grounded in God's love, grounded in a community of faith, grounded in a relationship with God that we can live true and centered and grounded in whole lives. Whenever this service ends, 
God's call on your life begins to share and to shine light into the lives of other people. To invite them in, to share with them grace, and to give them a taste of God's love. And my prayer for you is right now in your life. Maybe you've gone to church all your life. Maybe you've done all the right things. And maybe you realize that today you haven't experienced that relationship with God. I want today to be a step toward that relationship. Maybe today is a day in which you realize that you lived with the expectation that you thought your life was supposed to be all figured out by now. And now it's a hot mess. And now you want God to wake up areas of your life that need to change and you don't know how. I want that to be available to you. I want for our church to be a church that comes together and celebrates just not what is good for us and what we desire and what it means to us, but how our church can be a place that seeks and invites and embraces new people who are lost, who invites and finds ways to to build relationships with people that are outside of our congregation and invite them into a community that could change their lives forever. That our church isn't one that just thinks about itself, but our church is one who celebrates along with the angels in creating space for new people to come in and to be found and to be, rel- and to be relished and, and, and cherished in God's love. That we sing in that way every day. And I hope and I pray that as we sing this morning our last song, I, I know that we're going to sing about what it means to us. I want you to sing that song And I want you to inside your heart say a prayer for somebody here today who needs to know that reckless love. I want you to say a prayer in your heart as you sing these words that they are not only meant for you, but that somebody else is here today that needs to hear those words. And I want you to say in your heart, God, whoever needs to hear these words today, hear, let them hear them. Let one more soul be found. Let one more person who stepped off the path be brought back into the fold. And let one more person remember just how much you love them. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for all the ways that you love us, for the ways that you pursue us, for the ways in which you see how valuable and worthy we are. And God, as we come here this morning, let us not just sing and celebrate for what you do in our own lives, but God, to relish the moment and the truth that, God, you are bringing people back into the fold every day, that you're drawing people closer to you, and that there's people here today, God, who need to hear the words that you have spoken, that need to hear the songs that are being sung, that need to be touched by the prayers that have been shared and prayed. God, help us to remember, ultimately, it is not about us. It's all about you. We pray this in Jesus' name.